my friend, trying to get there, trying to be as cool as as me. You got a ways to go, son. <laughs> yeah, you had to go with the sun. Like it was fine, and then you threw the sun in there. I know. I know. I know. You could be my son. Yeah, I know. <laughs> secret sauce to victory is managing expectations. Do your stakeholders know the reality of what's going on with your project right now? Are they comfortable? Are they fearful? Are they excited? Do you have all of those emotions too? Yeah, it can be tough. That's okay. That's why we're here. We got a whole episode walking you through how to manage expectations for your project from the start. So that way, everybody knows what's going on. They know where things are at. Any risks that are out there, they're handled, ready to rock and roll. So stay tuned. Here we go. What do you think is the messiest part of a project? The start, the middle, or the end? The start, the middle of the entire thing is, I think the most crucial part, the messiest part of a project is the entire project. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming back to answering your question. If you don't set it up right, I think I, I think it's a, a success factor if you set... There's this thing, uh, an old project managers or PMI, PMP project managers talk about project chartering. Yeah. I think if I remember, there's an entire section of the, the PM, the PMBOK, the project management body of knowledge mm -hmm. uh, around project chartering. Now, they were very uh, checklist- and very document-centric about it. But, but they really focused on project chartering. I think agile chartering, we talk... Have you ever read Liftoff? No. Oh, you should read Liftoff. Okay. It's by Diana Larson and... I'm blanking on Ansley Knees, I think. Okay. To... We'll put a link. Yeah. To Women Agilists. And it's in the second edition, but it's not Project Liftoff. I think it's just Liftoff. But that's the equivalent of agile chartering okay like starting an initiative and they bring in things like they have a focus on team establishing the team and mm -hmm. the dynamics of a team how much more is that than what's traditionally been called sprint zero to me sprint zero was never really defined very well my interpretation of or usage of sprint zero my experience in it was it was much more of 90 percent of sprint zero was getting your content like in front of you, right. your backlog, and also validating your, like doing spiking, like validating your initial designs and things like that. That was a sprint zero. And maybe 10% of a sprint zero was around the soft skills, the team formation, the team rules. Whereas liftoff is probably not 90-10 in reverse, but maybe 60-40. Okay. Something like that. Really focusing on team roles and responsibilities, guardrails, establishing that before you start. And then having clarity. The other thing with liftoff is I think they have a focus on, and I don't think Sprint Zeros did a very good job of this, if at all, is like the mission and vision of a project. What is the success? What is the high-level success factors? Right. The why. It, it was more of a work. Sprint Zeros were more of a historical, like, what do we need to do to get ready to start sprinting, to start working? Okay, so back to my question. 
Yes. Start, middle, or end. The messiest part is the whole pro. If you don't start well, the so I think the maybe the messiest part of a project is the start. Let me re-ask the question. Yeah. The messiest part of a poorly executed or poorly run project versus a well executed. Well, are you trying to tease out the the topic for this metacast, Josh? I am. You I'm are. working hard. You are. <laughs> and I'm not and I'm actually I'm not trying to be resistant. Metacasters the episode today is focused on setting expectations. So to me that's a that happens during the life of a project. That should be happening during the life of a project. Or resetting expectations. Maybe it's called setting expectations in the beginning and then resetting expectations if you need to all along the way. And if you don't set, I think projects get messy depending on the well, a variety of factors, but there's a reality on the ground. It goes back to how well did you set expectations? Not just of time. It's Timing is a big part of it. Like scope and timing, that triple constraint thing. Yeah. The iron triangle. Or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, and less on cost. I don't think. Yes, you can set expectations for cost, but it's more so time. And did you set up expectations properly in the beginning over time and scope? And maybe I would say risk, like the level of risk or the level of ambiguity or the level of unknown and something like that. So that to to me needs to be happening at the start. Now, if you don't do that at the start, and a lot of projects don't, or they do a bad they do a bad job of setting expectations clearly. And, and explicitly up front, then you're in, I think you're in for a rocky ride. Because that resetting, if you didn't, if you did a crappy job of setting them, then resetting them is hard because you're, you're surprising folks along the way. Yeah. The point I was getting to is that many poorly run projects, the messiest part is the end because you're trying to scramble for that clarity that you could have, should is have. Is that where you were going? Front. You were going yeah. to the end? Yeah. J- just, when I think of a bulk of the companies I've walked into and the death marches that they are on, like you think at Teradata. Yeah. Back when you and I yeah, were there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was I, it. I would, I would buy that. I didn't know where you were going. Did you know my first book, We don't. I don't know if I talk about it much, but something called Software Endgames. Is that on, is that on a tablet, like stone tablets only? It's, all, it's almost on a stone tablet, actually. Papyrus? It's almost on papyrus. <laughs> it's not a very... It's not very, people aren't aware of it nowadays. It's gotten, well, it's, it was your first book, right? It was, it's still on, no, at the time it, it did very well. Yeah. I was invited to a lot of keynotes and things. And the entire point of Software Endgames was that to manage that end phase of a project because it's really messy. Yeah. Triage, so defect triage was a big part of that. Knowing when you're done is a big part of that. Managing and communicating expectations, narrowing down to having a release point. You have all this chaos up front. How do you funnel it down and make it more predictable? So very often it's it's just a moving target to your, I think to your point, right? Like you don't know, scope is coming in. You're not yeah. sure if it's going to be delivered. I almost think of the end of a lot of projects, Agile's as well, is you're like, you're, fun, you're just funneling the chaos down to trying to create a release point. My argument would be that the reason many projects don't end up in a healthy state is because too many folks don't know how to provide or, or gather the info to estimate is not the word I want to use, but to provide a roadmap of this is what, and this is how long we think. 
I think there's too much guessing up front. I'm not going to. I'm not going to disagree. It's going to maybe. I would like to allow you to. I'm going to retort with this. The example that led into this metacast was uh, metacasters. I I I just released an audio book of my badass, extraordinarily badass agile coaching book, and I approached a good a colleague, a good friend who has a wonderful voice, Bruce Nix. So Bruce, he did the. He's a voice actor. And uh, he sounds like, um, oh my God, um, who's the actor? You know, that's going to be my next. Oh my God, foray. I'm not going to voice acting. It could in be this, in this new voice I just yes, trying to deeply into yeah. the tunnel. Yes, yes, with the deep dark night with Josh. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, uh, but Morgan Freeman. Is oh, who wow. he, okay. he saw, he reminds me a bit of Morgan Freeman. That's a high bar. And he's got he's just got this cool voice. And he's done things like voiced over for a Fox football commercial or something. So he's done some sort of snippets. But the point is, I approached Bruce and he said yes. And and it was a win-win for me. Wonderful voice. So he's he had done a couple other books. That's not his shtick. Mm-hmm. His shtick is more commercials and things like that. But he, but he was kind enough to say, I'll do this book. He had done one other Agile book. That's why I knew he'd do it. And I approached him and he said, yeah, I'll do it. And I said, well, how long is it going to take? And he said, we'll get it done by, so the Agile conference was in early July. And he's like, we'll have it done by then. And you'll be able to announce it and people will be able to acquire it. So he had managed my expectations. He had communicated it. And this was maybe in May or something like that. So it was going to be a month of him recording. And then there was some processing and things like that. So there was a him part, his part of recording the chapters. And then there was the processing part. And part of the processing was quality assurance. It's almost like software. And then releasing it. And and I my expectations were set for book by and because i'm trusting him as the expert yeah that i had no I, I just went to him as the expert and and i really didn't challenge him i set a goal of i would love to do this in july at the agile conference and he's like yeah we can do that maybe a little bit in his in his voice was a question mark but he was like he didn't push back he didn't give me a percentage you know like mm-hmm. it was risky mm-hmm. it was like it can do and then we went off and the book finally, uh, so it passed July, it passed August. Bruce had gotten his part done right before, so his part was done before that deadline. But the processing has turned out to be six to eight weeks or something like that. So what was it, two weeks ago or so, of the book finally. And and Bruce didn't even tell me that it was released. I don't know if the firm he was using, I, I actually found out because I was, you know me, I was checking every day <laughs> on Audible. So I was literally checking every freaking day on Audible, and finally I saw it pop up, and I sent out an email, and then that was his. So I, as the customer, I notified him that it was finally available through, and he was using a third-party service to take care of the QA right. and all of that stuff. So I, that's what generated this Metacasters is he did. I love Bruce, and Bruce did a great job, but he did a terrible job of managing my expectations. And I, I, I think a lot of teams do that. Now, one of the mistakes he made is he was mad. I didn't know. So I think he totally underestimated or didn't even think about the post-Bruce stuff. And he never talked about risk. It was just literally, this will be available by this date. The thing that I want everybody to walk away with is the intentional title of this episode is Managing Expectations, not Setting expectations that's the work that has to get done 
And those are the difficult conversations that need to be had. Absolutely. But there is without a doubt so much more appreciation for that being managed along the way than the we're good, we're good, we're good. Oh shit, we're not. The other thing Bruce did, and this is not a Bruce slam fest because if he ever listened, Bruce, I love you. He, he is a wonderful guy, but we can all learn. Yeah, we all have swings and misses. He didn't, and I think it was because it was this third party. There was this dance between him as a recorder and the service he was using for us. But nonetheless, as a customer, I'm sitting out there in the wind and it's like, someone tell me what's going on. So there's no information. So every inquiry I had to make, which really aggravated me, it's like, tell me, initiate a conversation with your customer. Don't have the customer do that. So maybe that's a lesson learned. To your point, managing expectations along the pipeline. The other thing is even up front, setting, I, I actually disagree with you. I think setting expectations is the start. Yeah. If Bruce would have said to me, Bob, what would have been a better way? Bob, I can get my part done by July 1st, right? Slam dunk. I have 100% confidence in that or 98% confidence in that with a one-week variable. Yeah. The service, I've only worked with them three times or whatever it is. I have no clue. It may take them a week or it may take them 10 weeks. I don't know. We'll manage that together. What that says is the conference is off. We can't do the conference. Or there is a 5% <laughs> chance bob that we can do the conference so don't hold your breath probably september is much more realistic which is where it landed and i'm guessing here because there's some variable and i'll give you a every two week update or something like that and I, we'll manage it along the way but that's not what happened but that would have been a much better way i then i wouldn't have because you know what i it's i didn't i wasn't upset about september i was upset because my the expectations weren't set properly and then I got disappointed. If he would have said something like I just said, I'd be happier than a clam, right? When it landed in September, cool. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. So yes, there is value in setting expectations well, but that will not ensure success. To me is the point I was trying to make. I didn't do a very good job. Is oh, that, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Is, well, yeah. I, I didn't do a good job. Why are you apologizing? Yep. But you I mean, know, in software, there's so many more. You're leaning in. There's so many it. variables. There's so many freaking variables. I, but to me, it doesn't matter. Anything you're doing that takes weeks. Yeah. You know, well, even even it's like doing yard work or something yeah. like that. You have weather variables. You have right now with people doing construction, my neighbor is getting their bathroom remodeled. Mm -hmm. the remodelers came in and left for two weeks. Why did they do that? So their bathroom is in a half state. Oh boy. Which kind of stuff. It's because of material acquisition. It's because of that flow is interrupted and they couldn't get stuff and then they came back. So if you didn't manage expectations, like the complexity of flow yeah. or emergent or designs or surprises, exactly. So it sounds like, and this is over oversimplifying, but if you just do agile and speak boldly and confidently with the reality of what's happening your butt's covered i think you also have to yes and be realistic yeah don't be hopeful don't be hopeful don't be this uh, i've always felt that developers in general were incredibly optimistic in their communication it may still be this way and and they should be more not pessimists but more realists 
and communicate the the risk. That's what good project managers try to tease out when they do risk planning. It's obnoxious, like traditional project management risk planning is obnoxious. But what they're trying to do is tease out all this ver- some of these variables so that they can manage expectations. There's a it takes two to tango there. Can I, I can I quote you on that? Sure. It takes I don't know if I can remember this. Wow. You okay. can smart you this can is, smack me later. This is how it's gonna be today. It's a, actually listeners, it's been like this all day. Before we hit the record button. I was all over Josh oh and I, I and it I know, I know. I was Metacasters to be honest, I get so happy to see him and quote me on this that sometimes I can become overly perky. So here's how the recording session started. I had spent all morning keeping the dog in a state so that she could go to sleep just before 10:30 and it's 10:20 I'm sitting on the couch she just passed out and I'm like okay cool I got time I'm going to carry you upstairs put her in the crate ding dong <laughs> and the dog pops up and sprints to the door and is definitely not ready to go to sleep but we solved that problem with peanut butter and bananas Absolutely, her favorite snack. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. But the, I, I believe that optimism is an equal and opposite reaction to the expectations from above that are made without the appropriate amount of info on how long this should take. Like the number of places where I've seen developers get squeezed or be asked a thousand times for an estimate that they've already given. Are you sure? Yes, there's optimism, but I do believe, actually I believe it's less optimism and more submission to expectations from above. That's my personal view. I might buy that. I've been thinking lately, I've seen teams lately that are saying yes too quickly Mm -hmm. or just acquiescing. And I think to myself, it is a, as a leader, I've been in a leadership role and I reserve the right. I want to see how you react to this because you may undercut me. I reserve the right to continue to push until the team tells me it's not possible. I, it's my job to push. It's, my, it's, it's okay for me to say, Josh, the market needs this in two weeks. And it's, I think it's okay for me to trivialize something. I'm, I have a different lens. I have a market lens. I have maybe a trivialization at lens or whatever. It's okay to push. But what I want is then I need to listen if someone says, no, that's not possible. And I need to appreciate the no and appreciate the pushback, right? And modify my thinking based on the pushback. So I think there's a, te- there's a healthy tension. Right. There should be a healthy tension. What happens, I think, is teams generally don't push back. They And, and, and it's almost like, and as a leader... Like they allow leaders to continue to push, like to overcommit them like 200 times, you know, like 200%, 300% of their capacity. And I'm like, you need to push back. Now there's some unhealthy leadership that overly pushes. But I I think it's okay for me. It's actually part of my job as a leader. Those BHAGs, those big, hairy, audacious goals, that's what I'm talking about is to be exuberant about it, but then listen. And I, th- I think that establishes the balance because I don't want to do poor quality. I don't want to burn out the team. So react to that. But I, I do see the teams don't push back. Is even the wrong. There's not, there's just acquiescence. Yeah. It's a submission. Like it's a submission, right? It's okay. 
Yeah. And I'm like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And be effective with it. Now, leaders play a part in this dance because they overly, the minute the team, I think you need to look at the team and say, okay, that takes tremendous courage for them to push back. Now I need to stop pushing and start listening. So I think there is a juxtaposition on the leadership side. But I do think, I do reserve the right to be aggressive, I guess. I, to me, I think there there's, it's a gradient. You go back to the Shuhari world and with a shoe team, you're going to need to be much more prescriptive and drive that a bit more. Then once you get towards the middle, I think you start to get towards that healthy tension that's there. To me, the issue that is exhibited most often in the real world is it's not a healthy tension. It is someone pushes until they get the answer that they want, which is so dumb because you're putting your butt on the line because you're telling somebody this yeah, is how long it's going to take exactly. when you squoze if that's a word you squoze your team to get the answer that you thought you needed to provide and now you're already in a bad spot because you how do you believe that number when you know what you've done now what i will say is my ideal state and maybe you'll never get there my ideal state is that i have a team of commercially minded people that I have educated well enough on our business, how it works, the objectives we're trying to hit. And they begin making those goals as a group, really owning their product and driving it in that manner. So to me, that's the end game. Has it happened for me once, maybe twice, but that's my destination. See, I disagree. I I disagree with part so you get a painter. I'll try to, yeah. right? I'll try to just have a, you, you get a junior painter, someone who has one year of experience. So they're a shoe painter and they, and they come in and you say, what's it going to cost to paint my downstairs? And they come back to you with a cost estimate of $2,000, $2,500 and five days or whatever it is. And you have to move the furniture. And you push back on them and say, no, that's not possible. I'm having a party. I need it done in two days. What do you think that painter's going to do? Most likely they're going to submit and say, okay, I'll... Oh, I d- disagree. I disagree. That junior painter... Not is, if they need the business. No, they're they're going to say, it's, all right, and then a day. You push them down to it's a day. It's a five-day job, and you say one day, and you can start right now. They'd be silly. They would be silly. I agree. For, and they're, I, I don't know if it's the maturity. I think we let people off the hook a little bit with... Oh, shuha read this. So what I the read the read I had on what you said is it's leaning into leadership needs to change. I know that, right? Leaders and I'm putting the foot back on damn it, teams need to buck up and have some courage and speak truth to power, too. I'm not disagreeing with that. What okay. I'm saying is that the very, very end of the rainbow, the very end of the rainbow, super re teams that have been together for a couple years. Really, and you as a leader have worked really hard yeah. to get them to understand that they will drive themselves yes. hard. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I want shoe teams to step up to the plate. Agree. Agree. Step up. Yeah. Right? Don't be pushed around. Shoe. We have a Metacast audience out there. You're in a shoe team. Speak truth to power a bit. The leaders, it's a balancing act. But I'm, I'm getting tired. It's almost like we, not you, but we put... All this impetus on leaders. And there's a lot of bad leadership and bad behavior out there. 
but it shocks me sometimes that teams don't step up. Like, I'm a good leader. Mm -hmm. I am not going to give you relief if you don't ask for it. How about you? I know I have a tendency to lean hard. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. I, so so, I, but you want, it, you want the feedback then. Yeah, but, I, but there have been times, where, and we talked about this in an episode or two ago, where I wasn't good at recognizing the health of the team. And I've worked really hard to get better at recognizing that. And I've backed myself off. Okay. And and that's the balance. But yeah. I'm just, again, what there's a balance between us as leaders. I want the teams to step up. Yeah. I, and I want, I want to stop using shuhari as a freaking excuse, right, for, oh, we'll do that when we get to re. Well, when the hell will that? So what does that mean? If, right. you, if you have bad leaders, you're going to have a miserable life for the next five years. If you even ever get to that state, have some courage. Like I wish Bruce, coming back to my Bruce story, I, I wish Bruce would have just been honest and said, hey, this is what I can... Con- I'm, I didn't have a clue. As a customer, I had no clue. Just speak truth to me. This is what I can control. This is what I can't. And realize that that start of that that project is a really crucial time to do that. Agreed. I think we're saying similar things. I think so. As you, we often do. You know what I'm doing though. Also, Josh, remember we talked about this Metacast version too. Yeah. I'm trying to let out my my the inner Bob, my inner Bob, a little bit. The, uh, Not artificially. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to let my inner Bob out a little bit. So. Yeah. I don't. There's you know. a Balrog in there. There's a what? It's a Lord of the Rings thing. Oh, I, it's okay. It's okay. Just Metacasters, I'm sorry if that hurt you hearing him say <laughs> what was say what? what is that? It's okay. It's okay. He's. I'm old. He was around before those books were written, so I helped write them with him. I <laughs> <laughs> when did he do those? Like in the fifties or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or I'm not even, totally sure. Yeah. I think it was okay. It might have been earlier. So did we? I think we covered this. There, there's can you, more. You, can you wrap it? No, there's more I want to dig into a little bit because we lightly touched the fact that managing expectations. What is that? Let's talk about what that looks like in a healthy manner, just to make sure people have it crystal clear. It is on a regular basis doing some of the things that Bob said pretty early on is, hey, this is what happened. This is what's happening next. Here's an updated view of where we think things are going to be, and these are the risks. And most importantly, here's how we're managing those risks. Yeah, And that creates comfort for everybody. Leadership, yourself, the team, in that you know the risks that are out there. You have plans on how to work around or through them. And then in be it a week, be it every two weeks, be it a month, however you do that. But on a regular cadence, you need to provide all of that info to pretty much everybody. Yep. I I think also maybe engage your stakeholders. I remember Bruce would ask me to do something. And because I wanted to hit the date, so even when you're communicating to your stakeholders, so like Bruce would, we use this system to manage things. So I had a checklist and he had a checklist and then we got to hundred percent complete. And this is on the recording side, passing it off. And if, and when he sent me an email saying, Bob, you have to take action because I was interested in the date. 
I immediately like took action. Yeah. And I'm sending emails like I'm done with my part or I'm going to be two days. That actually, that increased my frustration because here I am reacting quickly, but it's not helping. It's not helping move the ball down the field. So what I'm saying is it's talking about your status. It's also engaging people with what part they can do to help, but also managing and saying, will this accelerate it or will this not? Yeah. Gaining help, asking for help. So participating in the process, but also just communication, lots of communication. Yeah, there, there is no world, no project, no anything where understanding risks and or bad news earlier rather than later there's no world where that's not better yeah it's always better it might be difficult scary for you to share but again there is no world that we live in where holding on to that hiding it pretending it's not real saying hey we're gonna work through it we'll get it done there's no world where that's better yep at all not even close so Uh, do yourself a service by talking early often and regularly otherwise you end up in a bad spot like it's just it's gonna happen someone goes on i remember bruce went on vacation for two weeks and it was driving me crazy and this was after he was done with his part Mm -hmm. so i wasn't getting any communication from the vendor and i wasn't getting any so again even if you go out on vacation delegate to someone you you need to be i think maybe that's a key to this episode is continuous real-time communication with no sugar coating. Right. None. Zero sugar coat. Maybe hope no hopefulness. Just real communication. Your leaders will love it. Yeah. They will. They will. They're again, they will love it. I could have handled I know this isn't a software case. I know it's an audiobook. But yeah, it's still the same thing. But the communication, that's that would have made a that's what I'm saying. It would have made a huge difference to me. I wouldn't have liked it. But I, it, I would have accepted it. It would have given me understanding, right? Yeah. There, there's a HVAC company that I stumbled into using here that I will use again forever because when you sign up to have something fixed, they send you this email of here are all the things that are going to happen. We, and every line item has, this is when we think it will be done with... Well, this requires approval from the town. So oh my there's gosh. some, and then every after every step was updated, you got a new version of that sent. So, so you had a clear roadmap of everything that was going on, what the next steps were, yep. estimations of when that was going to happen, risks, concerns, whatever they had, and that's just helping manage a customer through an air conditioning unit replacement. So again, it's not. But that made a huge difference. I've recommended them, and I will always use them. You know what? That's not even. That's you almost talked. I don't care if that's HVAC or audiobooks or software development. Those principles are universal. Yeah. Right. And look at the so Metacasters, his eyes lit up. He got animated. That this is not that's just effective. So th- that's the sort of that's the shuhari is managing expectations via communication. Yeah. Yeah. Did we land it better? I feel like we did. I just want to make sure people walk away with an action. They can, Absolutely. They can, like, this afternoon go and take action on that action. I don't like that wording, but whatever. Whatever it is. No, but Metacasters, I hope you took this as a... We talked about audiobooks and HVACs and some Agile, but this is a serious... I'm. This is a serious topic. 
there is a lot of unmanaged expectations in the universe. I would challenge you all to get better, to look in the mirror in the morning and say, what are we doing at, a, at an individual level, at a scrum team level, at, an or, at a cross-organizational level, cross-team level? Are we effectively managing expectations? I'm going to say something you may not like. I bet you're not. Yep, I would agree. I bet you're not. Or step up your game. Step up your managed expectations game. It's crucial, and you'll see a huge difference. I would be willing to say 5% of work is managed well. Yeah. You talk about how I lit up because they managed it like that. Yeah. You don't have that reaction when that happens all the time. Right. That clearly doesn't happen all the time. Not so the at fact all. that they did that, that was a game changer. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, I, I'm willing to wager significant amounts of money that less than 5% of work is managed that, that well. Stick a fork in it, babe. A big fat fork. All right. Safe from beautiful downtown Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen. I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.